Welcome to Good News, Bad News, the Libertarian Christian Roundtable, where every other week we challenge the status quo and give you the libertarian Christian analysis of what's happening in your world. All right, welcome back to Good News, Bad News, the Libertarian Christian Institute's project where we talk about the news of the day. Today, uh, we are talking about Twitter. We're talking about Disney. We're talking about all sorts of crazy crap. With me today, I have Carrie Baldwin and Mr. Sepulveda himself. Uh, I'm Dr. Norman Horn, and we are Good News, Bad News, folks. So, guys, this is uh, it's good to be back with you again on this ridiculous evening. What a mm-hmm. strange week this has been. I do want to make one note before we get into the news. Uh, it, I guess it's really quite worthy to note that we have lost uh, a, a leading light in the libertarian movement this week. And so I would be remiss not to point out that no longer with us is our own David Thoreau. Uh, David Thoreau is the president, former president, I guess we should say former now, of the Independent Institute. He was one of the founding members of the, of the organization, as well as the leader of and the, one of the founders of the C.S. Lewis Society of California. Um, the man is, a, is a, just a tremendous, a tremendous fella. And uh, I wrote a little blog post about him that you know, was posted this morning on the LCI website. There's far more better uh, recollections of him that were written for uh, the Independent Institute and the C.S. Lewis Society of California. Please go to those websites and check him out. Uh, David was a good, been a good friend of mine for I've known him for longer than I have known both of these two weirdos combined in years. Um, and he's a great, a great guy and a wonderful friend, and we will miss him very much. So our heart goes out to Mary, his wife, and his family. Um, but I just, it's kind of worthy to kind of keep talking about him here while we still can. Um, but David was an advisory board member to LCI and had been since the beginning of the, <laughs> since we got started on that and, uh, just a, just a wonderful, wonderful fella. And, uh, so we're going to miss him anyway, just wanted to say that. Uh, but now on to, onto the news, uh, <laughs> unless you've been living under a rock, uh, this week. Uh, then you probably know that the one of the biggest weird pieces of news you could have possibly imagined is actually coming to fruition, which is that terms were reached uh, between Elon Musk and Twitter for the entire buyout of Twitter and taking it private, um, which is crazy to think about. Um, yep. Guys, that like, what do you what do you think? This is a uh, is is this is this uh, you know. Is this Batman coming to save us or is this something else? <laughs> well, I almost I almost thought it wasn't going to happen. Like I, I was for for a little bit there. I was like, eh, I don't think this is going to actually <laughs> happen. But then it did. And I was quite surprised. Um, but taking it private, that means it's not going to be publicly traded, right? Exactly. Yeah. That's a yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's it's interesting because now it's going to be an actual private social media platform, and well, I mean, all of these platforms start off as private. They don't right. all immediately. I mean, you know, Facebook was private before it was public, and, you know, and right, so on. Yeah. I mean, these these types of liquidity events are the way in which investors try to make back their money and to you know and to have something like that to be to be 
part of that's the exit strategy, right? So this mm-hmm. is an interesting kind of exit exit of the exit strategy, on right? Some level. Yeah, because it wasn't valued at the forty five billion or whatever is either somewhere was it forty four forty six billion that it's being bought I think out. It was forty four, yeah, forty four. So and at forty four, it's like the the price per share is is a hilarious uh, fifty dollars plus four dollars and twenty cents, so fifty four twenty. All right, yeah, Elon, I, I get you. I get you. You're funny. So. Well, it's it's interesting because I've um, you know, I've <laughs> been on Twitter more in the past couple of days than I usually am, and it's yeah. pretty lively right now. Yeah. Um, there a bunch are of people, people didn't like it came in. Yeah. A bunch. There, a bunch. There there are uh, some people who have left Twitter um, for Social Media Canada, I guess. <laughs> and <laughs> for what? <laughs> social media canada this is um, whole thing you know the the uh the, the question yeah. is gonna be, has been like is is if elon musk buys twitter i'm i'm leaving twitter the new if if president right. if, if trump becomes president am i moving i'm moving to canada moving to canada you know? i've seen people posting that uh what about we're leaving or some some type of like uh and every single tweet of elon as of late there's always even the same people posting again that they're going to leave and they're going to leave and they're going to yeah. leave. And yeah. I think they don't understand that it was already purchased, I guess. And well, it's not. Well, it's, technically, it's not purchased yet. I mean, no? the agreement has been reached, but it's still, you know, t- it's still contingent upon due diligence. Mm-hmm. And there's even a poison pill clause, I think is what they call it. Like if, if Elon backs out, then like he owes Twitter like a billion dollars or something. It's, wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. They, he's doing the paperwork done for the loan to be transferred to the owners, to the stockholders so, of Twitter. Yeah. So the, in these M&A type of operations, what, you know, mergers and acquisition. So for, for, for the uninitiated, uh, you know, in M&A like this, what you tend to do is you, you reach an agreement on price before you execute a due diligence operation because you're, you, that's an, that's also a non-trivial expense. So you're not going to do that until you have some agreement in place between the parties uh, that, you know, <laughs> that if we go through this, I'm going to go, like, we're going to continue right. to go through with this. Like, yeah. So it's, there's, it's contingent contracts at that point. So that's, and that's typically why there's, there are exit clauses or poison pill clauses such as these, so that if one party decides to pull out, that some that um the the party that is at greater risk is compensated for it Mm. like that's that's the way these things work right and you know they're not always publicized as highly as something like this but you know so to say that like oh elon bought twitter well not technically yet i still have 24 shares of twitter that i have not been bought out of yet (laughs) and you can still buy shares of twitter right now on you know this open stock market so it's not done 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 but it's the so you know there are stages that you know it could take upwards of anywhere from i mean four to six months potentially uh to continue yeah to go through the whole process yeah but nonetheless i mean i think what's interesting too is that if you if you were confused as to whether or not twitter was a was a leftist bastion and was getting you know to the point of insanity just look at the responses of the leftists to it Mm -hmm. i mean that's that is, you know, that that is very telling that they're yeah. concerned that, oh, we're, you know, not that they're going to get censored, but it's just going to be different. 
Because the well, whole point is that, like, the, you know, Elon they're literally said, concerned that you're going to be able to say whatever you want to yeah, say on Twitter. So, so it, it is absolutely wonderful to watch how their demonstrated preferences are now out in the open. They're right. concerned that they're not going to be able to use that now they have to use their block uh, feature <laughs> more. Right. I like, I mean, it's like literally, that's the whole point. I mean, well, that's you what's really stupid about it is that they you yeah. don't you don't have to deal with anybody that you don't like. Like, yeah. very. Oh, they Twitter already know very, this. Uh -huh. Like, just simple. Like, you don't like somebody, just block them in the Twitter. Uh, the one that block is extra that is malice. He blocks you just because, let's say, he's making a joke and someone doesn't know him, and they're making a joke about that person. If you kind of let them know that he blocks you right away because he likes his yeah his tweet his tweet feed to be like specifically designed that way and then right. so he just blocks people and that's it end of the story yeah Do you, so you ever heard that that you know that classic phrase maybe it is about puritans that you know the puritanism is the is the uh, desperate fear that somewhere somehow somebody is having fun um, <laughs> or something like that I, I may be getting that kind of wrong i'm sure that that's been said about baptists and various denominations and whatnot but i think it, it is funny because that's what the new wokeness is like woke yeah. wokeism is the new puritanism puritanism because yeah. it, it is the desperate and horrific fear that somewhere, somehow, somebody is saying something they don't like, you know, yeah. <laughs> it's madness. Uh, and that's, and you know, it's kind of a, and I, it's appropriately called a mind virus at times. And I think it's, it's interesting, but this is again, where, you know, this is their demonstrated preferences are coming out. They're all out in the open. Everything that was being, that was hidden is now revealed. Like mm -hmm. it's, it's, you know, I mean, it wasn't really hidden to begin with, but now it's just extra revealed uh, because now they're concerned that their, that their power is going to wane as a result. I wonder if this is going to um, impact other social media platforms like Facebook and Instagram are that, is it, is it going to somehow incentivize it. them to cut out their censorship crap? It's because it's people are going to be question. leaving. Yeah, because I think to, I think in my opinion, and this is based on the response, like lots of people coming back to Twitter. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I'm looking into using it a lot more. Uh, that means that Twitter could become much more viable and therefore competitive. And so I'm wondering what the impact will be with platforms like Facebook and Instagram and, and whatnot. Because, yeah. you know, before with the, the whole censorship thing, it was like all of the uh, major social media platforms were kind of all in agreement. They were going to start censoring certain, certain content. Yep. And, you know, so there wasn't really a place you could go without risk getting you now, know. The, there's the only competition that was somewhat serious, if you want to call it serious, will be Telegram. Mm. But, you know, the amount of users was, was very small. Yeah, well, and all of the new platforms that came up just never, they never really took off uh, um, in any significant way. So I'm kind yeah. of wondering if... So, let, 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 let me bring this one up. I, I kind of knew that that, that uh, Elon was going to go through it because I did the math and and the price of Twitter is like 16% of his wealth. That mm -hmm. honestly, that that is a luxury that he can give himself. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, so it's I, still, I, but I, it's I still it. non-trivial. Like, it's it's a big. I mean, think about even just the 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 fallout of even this announcement. I mean, we've seen in the past two to three like weeks alone, 
uh, a decrease in the um, price of Tesla stock by like 12 to 15 percent. So that evaporates, you know, billions off of his net worth, technically. Now, granted, that's paper losses. You know, can't lose if you don't sell, as we say. Uh, right. <laughs> but um, nonetheless, like that's on paper loss. That's I mean, it's non-trivial. Yeah, take, right. take, you went to like a thousand to eight hundred, I think. Let me see. Yeah. One month. So, we have had this one month, and so it has been yeah twenty percent down. Mm -hmm. So let's say another forty million uh, paper loss, and then later it's gonna go up. So yeah, I mean, but he, but Elon doesn't do things stupidly. I mean, like no. that you have to love him or hate him. Like what you can't really do is say, well, he's just a dummy. Like right. that man is, I've kind of come full circle on Elon. I used to really not like him. And in part of it is that I was, you know, I didn't appreciate, I didn't appreciate certain things about the way he did business and whatnot. And, and there are certain things I would say still probably disagree with him on, but I've kind of come circle on a bunch of aspects of the, of the way he's done this. And, and he's, no matter what though, I mean, never have I thought the man is dumb. <laughs> right. Yeah. So I, I like the the I've I have observed people say things like, "Oh, he's just doing this to because he doesn't like Elon Jet, the the Twitter account that's like tracking his private plane," or you know, or he's just doing this because he thinks he's going to pump Dogecoin again or something like that. And it's just like, I don't think you understand yeah. the way he thinks. And at all, like it's, right. it's very strange to to see that come out of people. Like you really miss. I all, all Twitter had to do was to leave uh, the bee alone, and everything would have been just the same as you could. But <laughs> the Babylon bee. They push, <laughs> see, like, they push we laugh. We laugh, but it's because we know that that's the joke. Like it's not. Right. He didn't do this because they banned Babylon B or something. Right. He didn't. But he's I not think he was doing triggering this. Up. No, I mean, I it, it was a contributing factor. Sure. I'm not, I wouldn't deny that, but it's like, I think that becomes, that's part of the, the milieu of things that are right. indicators to him that Twitter is something that it should not be and that it could be so much better. That's obviously what's motivating him. He, yeah. he honestly believes and that, that there is a, that there is a real way in which Twitter should be more valuable than $44 billion. That's what he right. believes because it, and, and he's putting it and he's putting his money where his mouth is in this respect. He believes that it should be a different type of force than what it is. And that it, and that if it were a greater, it had greater capacity to actually be a free speech zone, if you well, will. And it's, it's interesting. Worthwhile. It's interesting that, you know, Twitter's original creator, Jack Dorsey, is super excited about oh, yeah. Elon. Yeah, Elon well, buying he, it out. That, that one's kind of, I, I thought it was kind of odd because he's going to have to sell, but it really doesn't matter because he's not even the CEO anymore. So he's in, right. the he's in his side. So he has no reason to be happy about it because it's irrelevant right now. So I guess he's just, you know. Well, maybe well. not. Maybe not from a financial standpoint. I don't know, but um, his his tweets have have been favorable towards what his intention for the platform was, yeah. and he thinks mm -hmm. that Elon is is carrying that out. 
But by the way, I think we do need to mention a little bit what we were discussing about the Amazon uh, against what was the name of the of the of the case? Amazon against over. Oh, I. Oh, that. Overdoff. Yeah. You're gonna need to explain that because that's a bit uh... <laughs> complex. Complex, yeah. But I, I think that that's gonna that's gonna be the talk for uh, for uh, for a long time. So, so this is this is the case, and I don't I don't know if I'm gonna get this exactly correct, but this is a case that basically allows Overdoff uh, versus Amazon versus Amazon. So it allows the um, the company that is like hosting the app um, to get sued for you know whatever what what is it violations of like hate speech or whatnot um if twitter doesn't enforce it so if twitter doesn't enforce community standards on hate speech then uh this court case would allow apple for example or perhaps android you know google play i guess to be sued yeah they're held liable yeah they're held liable damages caused by dangerous speech of, of a kind yeah so, so the, what happened in that case was uh, a person bought something from Amazon from a secondary uh, seller that just through Amazon, but because that came damaged and it actually uh, damaged uh, this person's eyes, hmm. I went. He was able to go to court and take Amazon because they were the inter intermediary, intermediary. So the intermediary could actually get. And the whole point is like, no, yeah, yeah, he can, for whatever the reason it is. Therefore they're transferring that to say okay yeah sure whatever happens on twitter you they cannot take twitter to court because they're protected by the law that is like 230 something i, I, I don't know exactly what section, section 230 section 230 that one they're protected you can they can that they're not liable for it but everyone around twitter it's liable for whatever happens on twitter if they uh, some way somehow do business with Twitter. Hmm. So Apple has to like just get rid of the app. Otherwise, uh, they will be liable for whatever happens. It's not Twitter that gets liable, but it's Apple that gets liable and Android and whatever, whatever. Place well, and I, I wonder if that can be resolved. I wonder if that can be resolved by just making the app something that you pay for because then you're buying it and you can have a terms of service or whatever. And I wonder if that could be a way to circumvent because right I now so, it's free I, so. I hope so but i i doubt it that that's mm. possible because the, the laws it's super strange like okay no you're not liable but everyone around you if you ever talk to anybody <laughs> you, you make them complex of whatever happens on twitter like the yeah. entire world is come court uh, cases i don't know <laughs> the that's litigious society you know i guess insane it's very strange um so, I would like, yeah, I wish we had a better example of, of kind of the possibilities that are mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> enabled by this case. Uh, it's, it, it's, it's, it's not it's clear to me. To picture. Yeah, it's, it's super difficult to picture. Yeah. Just to you know, like, whatever happens. Well, and it doesn't make sense because, you know, every social media platform has a way to block. Like, if somebody is really harassing you or just saying things you don't like and yeah. you know whatever it it doesn't even matter they can be completely 
harmless to you, you can still block them. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't see why it's even an issue. It's like, okay, that person said something that you don't like or is wrong about, or you consider hateful, like block them. That <laughs> nobody needs to be sued over this. Uh, I have well, been pre-block many times, by the way. But there are forms of speech that do get litigated against, right? There is mm-hmm. libel, there is slander. I mean, there are things that there are things that can be, you know, problem, but that are even before there was concepts of hate speech and whatnot, which is weird, you know, per se, um, you know, I mean, but there were, there were ways in which speech could get litigated against. So the question is what do, what liability does the platform have to make, to, uh, enabling, um, because of their enabling of certain forms of speech to be more widely spread. As far as I understand, they have no liability. The problem is everyone around. Yeah. So what does that mean? You know, it's, it's very confusing. You know, it's, uh, it's it's very confusing around (laughs) everyone that has money around is liable. All right. Yeah. I think it's ridiculous. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it, it is, it is, there's a lot of foundationally ridiculous things about it. And, you know, as, as many you know, as many have argued in our in the libertarian community, you know, like you don't have a right to a reputation per se. Right. Like those are those are not things that are like that doesn't ownable. It's not an ownable thing. Right. And and therefore, as not a scare, since it is not a scarce resource per se, it is not something with which we can reliably come up with a rights based conflict around. And right. so that's and so on and so forth. I mean, these are these are not. They're not controversial in libertarian circles, at least. So. Right. Once again, property rights solves the problem. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you very much. Well, it solves it solves the legal problem. It doesn't yeah, mean that yeah, there yeah. Won't, you won't come into conflict with people or come into you know disagreements with people, but those are not rights issues at that point, and right. therefore are outside of the purview of libertarian theory at that at that stage. Yeah. Uh, do you know what's part of libertarian theory? Hmm. Mosquitoes. 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 Part of libertarian theory. Wait, wait, you might please explain. To the issue. Okay. So, okay. This is one heck of a segue. What a segue. This is Doug level segue here. (laughs) I was was practicing all day long. Uh, You can tell. (laughs) I can tell. I was like imitating Doug and, you know, (laughs) I went to my wife and said, let me imitate Doug. (laughs) Well, I practice, I practice. But you know what? Oh, okay. I even I even lost track of this. Oh, okay. Mosquitoes. To, our, to my beloved, to our beloved audience, it's gonna sound like we like Disney, but we don't. Okay. <laughs> so everything from here on is going to be interpreted as purely <sighs> descriptive, not normative. Okay. We're not saying this is good, good people. We're talking about how bad people behave and we should imitate we should be wise like a serpent but not like a dove right we have to okay okay so (laughs) okay uh, okay pastor i messed up the duh there you go now what's so important about property rights property rights solve all the problems political problems Mm -hmm. including mosquitoes why is it that they're not there are no mosquitoes in this thing why because it's a private entity in a private entity <laughs> there are actually losses if you actually have a bunch of mosquitoes bothering your customers you get to lose the opportunity because it's huge politicians don't care 
how nice uh, how does it, uh, public space, spaces are when they're paid with tax dollars. But when it's private, there's a huge opportunity cost. So I was going through all the benefits of having a private entity. Uh, and therefore, so for example, is everything that you need when you go to Disneyland is completely covered. Everything's available. Every public uh, uh, resource that you need on infrastructure is there. It can be private and that's perfectly fine. Now, that shows to Christians that we can privatize everything and we use it for the glory of God instead of whatever secular stuff they do over there. So, so ju just for some context for the wait. for the people listening who who don't know why we're talking about Disney. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Let's back this up. <laughs> let's back back it up just a little bit because uh, it's Disney World in Florida, right? Um, they've had their uh, tax status change thanks to it's the legislature. Mm -hmm. um, and this is very interesting because basically Disney World acts as its own governing entity. Um, and Norm had mentioned off air that there's some potential constitutional ramifications um, or questions, implications that need to be explored. But um, essentially, Disney World operates as its own little private country. They have their own mode of self-governance. Um, and so they're able to do a whole lot of things that a lot of other corporations aren't able to do. So yeah. that's the context. Um, now, we, we don't like Disney because of the things that they are defending <laughs> at the sometimes moment. Sometimes we don't like Disney. Sometimes we don't like <laughs> they're Disney. They're a mixed bag. <laughs> they, they are a mixed bag. Um, right now they're defending some things that are unsavory, but, um, at any rate, the whole issue over their tax status is really interesting because they are a private enti entity. They do have this private governance. They've been able to operate freely. Um, and so at any rate, that's, that's sort of the context and background. Well, and they're a private community, right? Private community. And I guess, yeah, so like, let's back it up even more because, you know, where, where did this all start and how mm -hmm. did this devolve into this strange situation? And we're not talking about like the foundations of Disney, but rather like what's been happening in the last couple of weeks. Okay. So we know that there's, there was a bill that was being passed in Florida that was going to prevent, uh, that was going to prevent schools in Florida from having the, they, they're basically going to be prohibited from teaching, you know, like prohibited from teaching subjects of sexuality to like what k through pre-k through, through third i think third, second grade it was like second or second third or third i mean mm -hmm. kids that by no reasonable definition should have exposure to you know to topics of sexuality right from anybody other than their parents that if they're yeah. going to be learning about that it needs to be from their parents and not from their schools like that that, that, that seems that seems somewhat non-controversial when you think about right. that you know generally speaking if a an adult is approaching a child about some type of sexual topic and it's not their parents you tend to think of them as like you know a potential like predator predator yeah okay but i guess it's, if it's, it's the weird. government doing it it's fine or whatever okay bullcrap like the you know, law the law require the agents of the state yeah to do less for your kids so that you do more for your own kids yeah yeah so and, and whether or not like i think it's there's some questionable aspects to whether or not that this is like the kind of thing that the state should be doing in the first place and you know my 
uh, we talked about this in the past and like kind of my issue is is somewhat on the aspect of like this the, it kind of begs the question to begin with on on this uh, on the aspect of like why should the state be doing any of this at all right. and and so you know that's okay but nonetheless at least from the basic point of view it would be it's it still stands that it's not something that teachers should be teaching in right. that realm like it's just not okay so I'm, yeah. I'm not disputing that at all okay that's the start for some at first disney was actually not going to say anything about this they literally said this in fact from their leadership but then their employees started rebelling and for some weird reason the leadership decided to cave which is like the, the leadership starts off saying you know what we're not going to get political on this we're just not that's not our purview but then somehow they just stated that because of the outcry from their their employees it's so weird it's so, so what mm. so that that got weird to begin with right and oh, then they made a public statement because employees were, were were pushing yeah okay now that's key guys because the week came out with an article saying the problem with wokeism in corporate uh in in uh, in corporate uh corporate in the corporate world it's mm -hmm. the employees. It's neither the owners of the business nor the customers of the business. Yeah. But the employees are the ones pushing that. And then the owners kind of cave because you need workers to be functional. But that's the weird, that's, that's even the weird thing. This isn't like, I mean, I know that there were teachers that, that spoke out against the bill, but why the heck is Disney employees getting upset about a bill related to public school? Because, yeah, because they've been trained that they have to be activists 24 seven. Yeah, I mean, it's very strange. Like, I, there's there's got to be a lot of weird dynamics there because the way they, they spun on that whole topic from being like, we're not going to be political on this to, okay, we're going to actually lever resources on this topic. It's yeah. like, whoa, that was quite an about face. Mm -hmm. and, and as a result, this kind of prompted some, a, you know, different kind of pushback from the Florida legislature and Ron DeSantis in particular. Now, if I were to make a guess on the politicking that was going on behind the scenes, it is possible that there's more to this than meets the eye, that it might have seemed like a, because there, there's some aspects on this special governing district that could fall potentially in the favor of Disney from one perspective, but we can get into that later. Um, but it, it, if I were to make a guess, uh, discounting that, this is a move from DeSantis uh, to, toward like building credibility for a 2024 presidential run. I think that's mm. like very real possibility here that Ooh. he's trying to build credibility of I'm, you know, I'm like if he hadn't done something like he's, he does, he see this as an opportunity to score some points. You know, even if it didn't yeah. work out like, well, you know, it's kind of like it's kind of like what happens when, you know, the left uh, at the at the federal level, they decide they're going to try to push the, you know, push a bill to try and tax unrealized gains. It's like they know it's not going to work. Right. But they're going to do it because it scores the, them points. They were the champions. I was it. the champion of it. I mean, I yeah. tried. I tried yeah. to do something, you know, and whatnot. So that's their reelection bid. And in this case, is it something to where it's like, well, this is even if it doesn't work then I score points. I think right. it's possible. I think it's very that's realistically possible. possible. Mm -hmm. um, Cause I, I mean, DeSantis almost assuredly has presidential aspirations at this point. I think it's pretty much a given. 
Um, yeah. So okay. So what? So what's going on? So this. So the strike back against Disney is one to basically say like, well, because uh, it, 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 it's very strategic. They're saying Disney is gets this special tax status. And you, you know, we should be against this. Everybody needs, I've literally heard him, DeSantis say, I watched a clip of him on Tucker basically say that, well, everybody needs to be playing by the same rules. That's why we should eliminate this tax status. Like, oh, so now, okay. So you were told over the course of your, your governing, your governor's, you know, tenure here. It's right. only now that it's that it's like now we need to play by the same rules. It's like yeah. really okay, but Wasn't why like that during COVID? So, so yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I mean, and there's a limitation to what this means now. So what is so what are what are they trying to repeal? The special tax status that Disney has is is kind of like they they're kind of like their own private city, hmm. in as much as they can make the rules regarding kind of like zoning, uh, regarding you know the the uh how how roads are built what stuff is what stuff is allowed to be built in the areas of where they operate um they can you know so that so they're able to kind of uh they, they have a greater measure of control uh than than the average corporation would have over a geographical area like that's that's kind of what it is so they they have a lot more ability to work around um you know zoning and permissions permits and whatnot uh and do things that that you know ultimately work well for their situation and so this is something that's interesting is that this is something that has been heralded as a like a model of privatization even amongst libertarians hmm. i mean thanks yeah i mean like this whole this whole thing about you know why are there no mosquitoes in in disney well it's because they're private and so on and so forth we've seen this and we've heralded this as being like a, a good thing that we should see more of this uh, it's interesting to see the the funny backlash now is like now well, some of some people are so anti-woke at this point and okay it's good to be i'm cool with being anti-woke but they're they see that the like they're willing to take this repeal is like well you know they deserved it or something like that like yeah well they're focused on the you know short what's, term what's they're they're focused on on the immediate problem which is yeah. Why are those weirdos defending a bill that allows teachers to talk to children about sex? Yeah. Like that's weird. Yeah. Uh, um, so and they should get excoriated for it, I guess. You know, but yeah, it, they but they in, should. Um, but they're not making the connection, right? Because yeah. politics has become this thing where you use the state to get back at the people that you don't it's like. It's just power, naked power. Yeah, and and so it doesn't even matter um what principles are being followed what yeah. you know uh it, it just doesn't matter it's... and it's it's also notable that like this this could come back and even bite DeSantis as a result hmm. uh, because yeah, i think it's you know there there are definite constitutional issues involved and in that if they are being targeted uh for essentially their speech is this you know, is, is does this fall under like a First Amendment type issue? Because make no mistake, there is a uh, there there is an ability to speak out on these things from corporate corporate sides. Like it, so, right. is this a free speech issue at that point? Mm. Can this get litigated in court and you know and as a constitutional issue and Disney come out on top because the state of Florida has targeted them? Because that's the thing. It's like they legislated away this 
special tax sum, essentially. Right. So is that is that even like part of the contract? Was that ever, you know, is the agreement that was set forth between the state of Florida or whatever and Disney in order to establish this zone uh, able to just be legislated away? Wouldn't it be great, though, if, um, you know, this if litigation did actually uh, sort of open up the doors for other people to understand how it is that Disney was able to have this yeah. disagreement with the state that opens the doors for other people to be like, Hey, can we, we get this? Do that too? Can we do this? <laughs> like, yeah. we, we get to do that too. We're going to, we're going to enter into these contracts and, and have these, you know, private well, set up these, these private entities and things like that. that the rise of like special economic zones and, you know, mm. Zeds, uh, I think some of them are called zones of mm -hmm. economic development. Um, but you know, by the way, Bitcoin is the tender of one of those zones in Honduras. Yeah. As of yesterday. Yeah. Oh, wow. and Prospera. Yes. Yeah. Cool. Sweet. So Prospera is, uh, you know, is, is one of these zones that is mm -hmm. uh, on the island of Roatan, which is part of Honduras. Um, and yeah, and I'm not surprised because one of our one of our one of our friends, Mr. Mr. Uh, Bombgar himself, is the president of that organization uh, not an elected thing you know it's it's like president of a company sort of deal um anyway Bom joel Baumgar is awesome um and uh he's yeah like he's for real and definitely understands uh, uh he understands the nature of money and he understands why the importance of bitcoin and why that's going to be a big deal in prosperity he wants pros he wants prosperity to be the most crypto friendly place on earth basically that's better awesome. than disney yeah It'll, yeah. it'll be crypto oh, it'll Disneyland. Be, yeah, yeah, it'll be crypto <laughs> Disneyland. No, it's, 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 I mean, I, I have I have high hopes for Prospera. If I were if I were a, a Bitcoin whale, I'd be looking into that pretty darn heavily. So <laughs> at this point, but uh, I'd, I'd want in on that. Can, can I read something quick, guys? Okay. Uh, from uh, so, so that people understand what's going on in corporate America or corporate or whatever you want. Uh, from the week, the name of the article is "Culture War in the Magic Kingdom." by Ooh. Samuel Goldman. Hmm. The aspiration to neutrality was once typical of mass market brands. However, it's not possible. The pressure isn't coming from consumers who demand animated entertainment, athletic shoes, and other goods take, uh, to take stance on every conceivable issue. It comes largely from employees who tend to be younger, more urban, and more culturally progressive than the markets they serve. Hmm. So the, the big issue, guys, is it's not even the owners, it's not even the CEOs. It's just an issue that the culture inside workers start, start to push. They've been trying to make everything political, including uh, your job. So yeah. so everybody sign up your high schoolers for my <laughs> Liberty Seminar and I will teach them economics so that they don't make these same mistakes. Hey, there you go. So they go to work. <laughs> <laughs> well, so that's that's it's pretty interesting because I think that there's there's something to be learned here and or at least to observe. And I would love to see, you know, I would actually I, I agree with you, Carrie, that I would love to see this litigated. Mm -hmm. I'd love to see this, you know, actually, strangely enough, come out on top for for Disney in a way, yeah. uh, because even though I disagree with uh, some ways in which Disney has behaved, um, these sorts of opportunities should be more available. I mean, right. you know, 
Yeah, Ludwig von Mises, I, I believe, once said that you know every. I'm paraphrasing. This isn't quite right, but like every every uh, every tax loophole is a gift from God, and I think that likewise, every type of special tax status like this should be considered accordingly, and right. and we need more of these types of experiments rather than fewer. Right. Um, and yeah, so I. I I disagree with the way in which uh, that this, you know, DeSantis has tried to, you know, really go off on um, uh, on eliminating this zone uh, or however, whatever this arrangement, you know, ultimately is. I hope that it is vindicated uh, as being a benefit um, for for humanity, uh, because Lord knows that the uh, surely the, the, the federal government and state governments are not on our side here. Right, right. <laughs> they may purport to be, but they are not. And yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so I think it's pretty interesting to see how this is going to proceed. That, That's for yeah, sure. It'll be interesting for yeah. sure. Uh, I think one final final note here with respect to the the way in which these corporate corporations going woke. And, you know, there's that phrase that's around like go woke, go broke. Um, it's I think that there's a bit of confusion there in as much as that there is there's a calculus going on at the leadership side of these things. The. Um, because what what a what a C-suite has to be thinking in these types of situations is they are balancing the ability for them to pr- continue providing the good and service or service whatever that the market wants, and the ability of their you know their employees to actually produce it. Mm-hmm. So there is this sense in which they they may be caught between the rock and the hard place because the other thing they want to do is make sure that they walk away with their golden parachutes at the end right. of their tenure. Because right. C-suites don't last forever. They do cycle um, because that's the way of, that is the way of these things. Um, you know, not a lot of com- companies operate with the same CEO for much longer than, a, you know, five to 10 years max. Uh, and that's somewhat by design. Um, there's, a re- there's reasons why that, is, that, that that plays out the way that it does. And we don't need to get into that here. But these folks do, you know, at some point go like, all right, we've got to produce. The shareholder value needs to be there. And I got to walk away with something. That's what they're going to then. So, so they want their golden parachute. So what are they going to do? They're going to try and figure out some balance that makes sense to where relatively speaking, they're trying to, you know, to, to walk away with their benefit. Right. Because I mean, yeah, they're self-interested. They they always will be. And so there's no doubt about that. Uh, So even if, you know, the C-suite is operating, you know, personally, they're more not woke in this regard. Uh, they run up run up against the pro- potential challenge of you know well they have to they have to they have to read the room mm-hmm. and make and we should make no mistake CEOs know how to read rooms yeah. you know? so uh, I'm not necessarily one to l- l- say that well they should be free of criticism because of these types of situations but understand what their the dynamics of how these things work I mean guys we just it's a different world uh, when you're living in the C-suite and doing, making decisions um, over those than, than kind of what we often, we peons, we, we plebs uh, see on this side of things. It's just, it's different and it shouldn't be underestimated. So I don't envy that position. (laughs) Yep. I hear you. That's for sure. It doesn't mean that they're free from, you know, they're exempt from criticism. It doesn't mean that they're, they're always going to make the right decision. We know that CEOs make a lot of wrong decisions. Yeah, but it is if not as private, simple that, as we would like to think sometimes. If it's private, it means that the government cannot cover your losses of your mistakes. So that's why <laughs> we should criticize the private sector. Sure. Yeah. Uh, and in order to make sure that 
their their losses don't get covered by somebody else, we need to make sure that everything's private so that nobody can go mm-hmm. to get tax money to cover uh, their mistakes. So yes, we should criticize private enterprises and we should privatize everything. So we yeah. should continue. Yep. Yep. There you go. Well, so I think that kind of covers. Oh, man, we, we even went longer on two topics than I thought we might. <laughs> but hey, yeah, we have a third one, right? We we almost had a third one. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it was, it's, it's been good. It's been good to, to cover this with you. I hope that everybody learned something tonight and uh, until next time, uh, this has been good news, bad news. Please give us a like and subscribe. If you will, at the bottom, do the, the, you know, the, the typical, the typical YouTube drivel. Uh, and, and if you're listening to us on, uh, on an audio podcast, uh, we'll thank you as well. And please uh, give us a rating if you will, and check out our other podcasts, check us out at libertarianchristians.com. And also you can of course reach us at podcast at libertarianchristians.com. If you want to comment, if you want to give us a question, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, we've, we appreciate your feedback and until next time, Hey, uh, well, we've had a good time here and we'll, we'll catch you later. Bye. Bye.